and night were the universe. I had swooned, but still will not say that all of consciousness was lost. What of it there remained I will not attempt to define or even to describe, yet all was not lost. In the deepest slumber, no. In delirium, no. In a swoon, no. In death, no. Even in the grave, all is not lost, else there is no immortality for man. Arousing from the most profound of slumbers, we break the gossamer web of some dream. Yet in a second afterward, so frail may that web have been, we remember not what we have dreamed. In the return to life from the swoon, there are two stages. First, that of the sense of mental or spiritual. Secondly, that of the sense of physical existence. It seems probable that if, upon reaching the second stage, we could recall the impressions of the first, we should find these impressions eloquent in memories of the gulf beyond. And that gulf is what? How at least shall we distinguish its shadows from those of the tomb? But if the impressions of what I have termed the first stage are not at will recalled, yet, after long interval, do they not come unbidden, while we marvel whence they come? He who has never swooned, is not he who finds strange palaces and wildly familiar faces in coals that glow? Is not he who beholds floating in mid-air the sad visions that the many may not view? Is not he who ponders over the perfume of some novel flower? Is not he whose brain grows bewildered with the meaning of some musical cadence which has never before arrested his attention? Amid frequent and thoughtful endeavors to remember, amid earnest struggles to regather some token of the state of seeming nothingness into which my soul had lapsed, there have been moments when I have dreamed of success. There have been brief, very brief periods when I have conjured up remembrances which the lucid reason of a later epoch assures me could have had reference only to that condition of seeming unconsciousness these shadows of memory tell indistinctly of tall figures that lifted and bore me in silence down, down, still down, till a hideous dizziness oppressed me at the mere idea of the interminableness of the descent. They tell also of a vague horror at my heart on account of that heart's unnatural stillness. Then comes a sense of sudden motionlessness throughout all things, as if those who bore me, a ghastly train, had outrun in their descent the limits of the limitless, and paused from the wearisomeness of their toil. After this I call to mind flatness and dampness, and then all is madness, the madness of a memory which busies itself among forbidden things. Very suddenly... There came back to my soul motion and sound, the tumultuous motion of the heart, and in my ears the sound of its beating. Then a pause in which all is blank. Then again sound and motion and touch, a tingling sensation pervading my frame. Then the mere consciousness of existence, without thought, a condition which lasted long. Then very suddenly thought and shuddering terror an earnest endeavor to comprehend my true state. Then a strong desire to lapse into insensibility, 
then a rushing revival of soul and a successful effort to move. And now a full memory of the trial of the judges of the sable draperies of the sentence, of the sickness, of the swoon. An entire forgetfulness of all that followed, of all that a later day and much earnestness of endeavor have enabled me vaguely to recall. So far I had not opened my eyes. I felt that I lay upon my back, unbound. I reached out my hand, and it fell heavily upon something damp and hard. There I suffered it to remain for many minutes, while I strove to imagine where and what I could be. I longed, yet dared not to employ my vision. I dreaded the first glance at objects around me. It was not that I feared to look upon things horrible, but that I grew aghast lest there should be nothing to see.